All right. Good morning, everybody. I'm Brett, pastor here at the church, and welcome on this third week of our current series called Hashtag Blessed. Now, hashtag is a way of finding like posts on social media, so if you hashtag blessing in Instagram, you will get over a billion hits, a billion references. Some people will say, look at my new car, hashtag blessed, and so you hashtag blessed, and you get to look at their new car. Isn't that exciting? Or somebody goes fishing and they hashtag, look at this big fish, hashtag blessed, so you get to see their fish, okay, that they caught. So there are many different reasons why people feel hashtag blessed, right? Won the lottery, hashtag blessed. All right, so, but what is God's blessing? What is God's blessing? Big question, do you want God's blessing in your life? Do you? All right, that was a good yes over there. You want God's blessing? Yes. 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 Let me ask you another question. Do you want it in God's timing? No. (laughs) Yes. Okay. And here's another question. In God's way? No. Yes. Okay. Good. You're with it. You don't even need to be here today. You know that? Amen. God's blessing and God's timing and God's way. Who's with me on that? We say, yes, as long as it doesn't take too long. Because some of us are waiting on things for God. You know, we're praying about a situation in your life, maybe your next step, whatever that should be. And you know, maybe you leave a, do I leave a job? Do I go back to school? Do I get a job? And you're waiting on God for direction. And it's taking you longer. It's taking longer than you want, you know? You, you have a need in, a, in your physical health, some medical procedure you're waiting on, and you're praying about it, you're asking God, you know, for it to come through, and what does it look like, and what does it mean, and, and it seems like it's taking forever, and it's hard for you, or it's God's working in a way that's different than you expected, and it's sort of, it's sort of thrown you, you know, like, is this... Is this what I'm supposed to think, or is this what's supposed to happen right now because I'm sort of in this in-between time, and I don't like it, and things aren't clear, and is, is God working through this or not, and I'm having to trust Him, and so it's, it's God's blessing. It comes from Him, but it's, it's in His time, and it's in His way. Now, we're looking at the life of Abraham in this series, the life of Abraham, Old Testament patriarch. He's the, big, he's the big one in terms of, you know, the faith. Abraham was a man of faith. Read about him in the book of Genesis. When Abraham was 25, 25, 75 years old, <laughs> only a 50-year mistake, you know. When Abraham was 75 years old, God called him to, you know, follow him. 75. And he promised him, God said, I'm going to make you, Abraham, into a great nation. You're going to have children that are going to multiply, and you're going to become a great nation, and you're going to have a land, and God is going to, through you, he's going to bless the whole world. And we know that Jesus Christ comes through, humanly speaking, the line of Abraham. The book of Matthew says, the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham, in you, I'll bless the whole world. So you're 75, and you get a promise like that, and you're like, sounds exciting. Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Righteousness comes to you through faith, believing the promise of God. 
Abraham didn't experience the answer to that blessing, that promise of a child that would be the progenitor then of the nation. For 25 years, it wasn't until Abraham was 100 that he got the promise and the fulfillment of it. Are you with me? That's a 25-year gap. You still into God's timing, you know? <laughs> After 10 years of no child for Sarah, Abraham's wife, 10 years, even though God had promised to make him a great nation, uh, they took matters into their own hands. I mean, 10 years is a long time for you to wait for God's timing on something. When you, when you agree. I mean, if you're, if you're uh, infertile and you're waiting 10 years and you're like, oh my goodness, we can't have a child. I mean, you know, that's a long time. Abraham and uh, Sarah can't have kids for 10 years. And so they come up with their own solution to the problem. Genesis chapter 16, we read this. Now Sarai... Her name was later changed to Sarah, and Abram, whose name was changed to Abraham. Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him, notice, no children. No children. She had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. So Hagar is a slave that serves Sarai, right? And she's introduced to us here. What's going to happen with this? Sarai said to Abram, Behold now, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. So go into my servant. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. So what's happening here? <laughs> uh, this is a, um, a scandal is beginning here, everybody. Sarai says, Hagar, you know, slave woman, I can't have children, so Abram wants you go into her. It's a nice way of saying sleep with her so that we can have children together through her. And Abram says, okay. <laughs> man of faith that he is. Great man of faith. You want me to go sleep with Hagar? Okay. You know, okay. So he does. He does. After Abram had lived 10 years in the land, so it had been 10 years, you see, Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian, her servant, gave her to Abram, her husband, as a wife, and he went into Hagar, slept with her. She conceived, and when she saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress. So Sarai has this idea, they follow through with it, and she's pregnant now. Hagar is the slave woman, and Sarai resents her, resents her. Conflict is beginning to take place, and she's got some bitterness in her heart, and Hagar's pregnant, but I'm not, and you see we got this mess, and Abram's over there going, oh, shoot, you know, what's happening here? I got problems now. And Sarai said to Abram, now we got this marital thing, conflict. She says to him, may the wrong done to me be on you, you know. Like, she's pregnant and I'm not and may it all be on you. It's your fault, right. I gave my servant to your embrace. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked on me with contempt. That's Hagar looking down on Sarai now. 
May the Lord judge between you and me. It's your fault. It's your fault. We don't know what Abram says here, like, gee, honey, I'm sorry, but you know, you know. I mean, I'll I'll make it up to you, honey. I mean, I I know it was I don't know. It's just it's a mess. Okay, it's a mess. We got we got problems everywhere. God made a promise, had made a promise to Abram and Sarai that they would have a child through which the nation would come, and they were waiting and waiting and waiting 10 years, and nothing happened. So what did they do? They took matters into their own hands. Don't take matters into your own hands. Can I get an amen to that? You know, I, you, may have a, you may have a situation at work or somewhere, and uh, you're praying because, you know, there's some gossip going on. And maybe, it, maybe it's about you a little bit, you know, like they're talking about you. And you're trying to honor the Lord with your life and please Him, and so you're trying to be a good employee, but there's some you know, drama happening in the office, and you're waiting on God, but you can't wait much longer because it just, you're getting passed up, and people are saying things and all that. So you take matters into your own hands, and you write an email. Don't do that. You just sent the email, and have you made things better or worse? Worse. Because you couldn't wait on God, right? You text him. I'm going to you know. <laughs> I mean, we make, can make things worse in our life. You know, God's vindication will come. Some of you, you're single, and you desire community and relationship and you know, the church, God gives us that. I mean, we all need community, right? Whether we're single or married, I mean, we just need community. That's why, look around you, God's the one who raises up the church. This is his idea. The church is God's idea. And when you become a Christian, you don't live an isolated Christian life like, like a monk or something like that. You know, you come into community. It's called the family of God, the body of Christ. The family, the church family, you come in because God wants us to have community and be part of small groups and be involved together and it meets a lot of needs. But maybe you're, you know, you feel lonely and you're single and so you decide, I'm praying about maybe a person I could marry, you know, that'd be good, person I could marry. But it's, it's not happening and um, so what you should do is you should just trust God and pray and trust he'll meet your needs, you know, and serve and live a holy life. Live a holy life to him. But instead, you go on one of those websites, dating sites, you know what I'm saying here. You go on one of those dating sites. And you know you shouldn't, you shouldn't put in your profile at all. You shouldn't swipe right and you shouldn't be doing it. No, but you're in there. That's about as much as I know, just so you know. <laughs> That's all I know. Okay, <laughs> they have them for seniors now. You know what I mean? <laughs> Senior dating—that sounds exciting. Okay, but so you get in there now. You're in this thing, and it's gotten complicated, and it's hurt your spiritual life. It's hurt your spiritual life. 
Kind of like Hagar and Abram and Sarah fighting and everybody's, you know, it's all just every which. And you're like, what am I doing? I just need to wait on you, God, right? So you, so here's the deal. You, you come back to this. You come back to saying to God, I'll wait on you and your timing and, and trust you. I'm not going to take matters into my own hands. Listen, when we do that, and I'm not saying be totally passive and don't do anything. That's not what I'm saying. It takes wisdom before you act. God's wisdom before you act. Uh, God's wisdom that comes to you in Scripture as you seek the Scriptures. You want to, you know, you want to get wisdom from, from the Scriptures and godly people in your life and through times of prayer so that you're, you know, you're just following the Lord. Don't get ahead of Him. That's what I'm saying to you. Don't get ahead of God. Some of you in a work situation, maybe you need money, you know, money. And, uh, you know, we all, most of us in here, we all could use a little more money for things. All right, so you need money. And you're praying for God's provision, and you're praying for Him to provide for you. But then there comes an opportunity for you to cheat and cut corners ethically and morally with your money, and you're tempted because you're going to take it in your own hand to solve it, and you do, and you get in trouble. And it hurts you, may even result in losing a job or something worse. But I'm just saying, you know, we, we, we're going we to trust God to receive his blessing in his time and in his way, his way. When Abram was 99 years old, okay, now we've jumped ahead, all right, chapter 17 of Genesis when Abram was 99, 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I'm God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless that I may make a covenant, make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. The Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. Let me give you a little of the chronology here. So when Abram went into Hagar, he was 85. He had been in the, year, in the land for 10 years. Remember, he's called when he's 75. 10 years later, still no child, so he goes into Hagar. This, God, uh, 13 years later, when Abram is 99, God appears to him again. So it's been 25 years from the time he was called to God coming and calling him again and saying, I'm going to bless you and make you a great nation. This time next year, Sarah's going to be pregnant. Sarah. And in my timing now, it's my, it is my time now, she's going to have a child. And Abram, you know, blesses God and praises God and all of that. And uh, so, lo and behold... Uh, Sarah conceived and bore Abram a son in his old age at the time of which God had spoken to him. Abram is a hundred years old. Abram called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore him, Isaac, which means laughter. Like this is crazy funny. I'm a hundred and she's ninety. God's blessing, God's timing, and God's way. You ready to wait on Him? You ready to receive on Him and His way and His timing? And, you know, His way of doing things? We don't want to take matters into our own hands. 
want to wait on the Lord. Abram was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Blessing fulfilled, promise fulfilled. Listen, second thing you got to do, wait patiently for God's blessing. We're not very patient. Have you noticed that? <laughs> we pray about something and we're trusting God for his provision, for, you know, for us, provision. Or an answer to prayer, or direction in our life, or a special someone to come into our life, or connection and community. We're praying about something, and we give usually give God two weeks, and then <laughs> that seems like enough time, you know? And uh, then we either forget about it or take matters in our own hands and, and move ahead. As I told you, it's 25 years from the time God said, I'm going to bless you to Abraham to the time Isaac's born. 25 years. Uh, we pray for things, a son or a daughter who's apart from God. We want them to come back to God. And, and we get frustrated and disillusioned because our prayers aren't being answered right away. And I, all I'm saying to you is, look, God has his timing on things. He's working in response to your prayer. But you need to be patient and let him work in his way, too. In his way. He's God. Let him be God. And we're just going to humbly seek and trust and wait on him. You got, you got your, you know, your reputation at work is being attacked and all of that. God will vindicate you. Listen, in his time, in his way, be patient for that. Be patient for that. Let him. Let him work. I think the story of Abraham and, you know, Isaac, Sarah, Hagar, all of that. I mean, it's just, it's a story about the way God works, which is different than the way we work. It's about God's timing, which is different than our timing. And spiritual maturity in our life is really brought about by our ability to wait on the Lord and to claim promises of Scripture and to watch Him work in His way and then wait for it and trust it and not give up, not become disillusioned, not say, oh, God, you don't answer my prayers or is it worth it? I mean, it's just, you know, you, you hear that. It's like, I prayed for a couple days and is it worth it? I'm like, dude, I mean, come on, you know? There's some maturity and trust and faith. And you you who have waited on God and seen him answer your your prayers and work in response to your waiting is, is a blessing of maturity in your life. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. But we who wait for the Lord shall renew. Those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. So, you know, is it time for you to change a job? Well, you know, ask God. You know, get, get the release. That's the way I've heard it described sometimes. Do you have a release from God? Has He given you a release? It's time to go. Your heart's at peace. You're not anxious. You're not bitter and angry. You know, release. Okay, well, you get the release from God. It's time. Good. But you don't just go, I prayed and it's bad, so I'm out of here, you know? I mean, in a relationship, and, and you're praying it through, and you're seeking the Lord, and you're, you're repentant, and you're humble, and you're doing it God's way, and, and things are slow and changing, and, but you're still 
without agenda, wanting God's way and God's blessing, however that looks, it may look different than you think, and you're coming to him and you're waiting on him, trusting him. You don't just walk out and quit, you know. You go to a church and somebody says something, you quit that church. What? You know, in other words, be where God wants you to be. And that's the blessing. That's where that's what God will bless you. And you receive from him in his timing. And it's usually different than ours. And it's usually in a way that's different from you. Listen, what you think. We just got to not set the agenda for God. We got to stop doing that. Abraham left not knowing where he was going. You don't know where God's taken you, but you trust him and you receive the blessing. And you see his hand work in your life. You say, wow, that's a real test of faith, Pastor. Without faith, it's impossible to please God, the scripture says. The one who, you know, has faith believes that God is and he's a rewarder of those who seek him. God loves it when you trust him. He loves it. When you don't know where exactly what's going to take place, but you continue to walk with him because you trust his character, his promises, who he is, he loves that. God loves that. What are you saying about God? You're saying you are trustworthy. You are faithful. You keep your promises. God, I will not be anxious or worried. I'll wait on you and watch you work. Oh, God. And God looks down on that, and he loves that. That's worship. That's worship. Don't you love it when somebody trusts you? Somebody believes you. And somebody's willing to wait for you because they know you're going to come through, as you say. But we get, we get really impatient. And impatience can lead to taking matters in their own hands, no doubt. Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. She gives birth to little Isaac, whose name means laughter. Everyone who hears will laugh about this. Wait till everybody hears about this. <laughs> she said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? This is crazy. I can't believe I'm reading this. Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. Laughter. At the goodness of God, joy, blessing, celebration, having waited, now seeing what God does. Uh, let me give you a final thing here. Laugh with joy when God's blessing comes. That's it. Write it down on a journal or make a memorial or something. God answered my prayer. God delivered me as he said he would. God provided for me according to his promise. God gave me direction. Laugh. God reconciled a relationship that everybody said could never be reconciled. But waiting on him, believing his promise, God reconciled that relationship. And I just laugh about that for joy because he is that kind of God. Nobody would have expected it. Nobody would have Said it could happen, and it did, because they don't know how great he is. Let's just laugh together. You know, when I was in uh, seminary training for the ministry, I was single. And I was praying that God would, you know, bring me a wife. Now, part of that was, of course, I wanted a wife. 
but when you're when you're in seminary training for the ministry, when you get out and graduate, you look to become a pastor somewhere in America. In this culture, if if you're looking for a job as a pastor, uh, it's better. I mean, it's not only better; it's really better that you're married. Or you're probably not going to get the job as a pastor. It's just a cultural thing. I'm just saying. So uh, second to last year of seminary, I remember being called in by one of the deans at the seminary. He sat down and he looked across. He said, how you doing? I said, I'm doing great, you know, doing great. I'm thinking, well, am I in trouble? What's up? Uh, you liking your studies? Yeah. Yeah, I like them. It's great. Are you dating anybody? So I'm serious. The single guys in the dorm, we just laughed about this. You dating somebody? Well, no. Uh, you know, I'm studying Hebrew and Greek and all the stuff you're giving us to study. Well, you need to, need to be going out, son. <laughs> professors would tell us, single guys, hey, you should go. One professor I remember telling, oh, you single guys? Yeah, yeah, go out. Just go out every weekend. Go out. We got to get you married, so your resume, you're married, we get you a job. Okay, that's the way it was. <laughs> so, um, my wife Eve, we had dated uh, before seminary, and then we broke up, and I was in seminary, a single guy. And so I continued to pray, and, and God, in a miraculous way, just in His way, brought Eve and I back around, and, and uh, we got married. Um, in 1986, and she's been the blessing of my life. She's, she's just, you know, I told God, I said, God, if you would, in your, in your grace, bring somebody in my life. But, but if I, I it, how did I say it to God? I just said, I'd rather be single than get ahead of you and not have the right person and have all the pain for them and me. I just, I'd rather be single. And some of you are shaking your head because you've been there and done that. Listen, you don't have to have somebody. The Lord is your portion. He's enough for you. He'll take care of you, the church community, the love here, all of that. You don't need somebody like, i got to have somebody. And if you're desperate, you're going to get ahead of God, and you'll, you might take matters in your own hands and just more pain for you. So let it go. But I said to God, I'd rather be single than to have, you know, mess it up. And in God's grace and in his time, he brought. Eve into my life. And Eve, my wife, without her, I'd say this, without her, I would not be in the ministry still today. It wouldn't be. She's, you know, you who know her, you know, she's just, she's just amazing, all right? She's encouraged me, and, and I encourage her, but we encourage each other. And God answered that prayer. And I just thank him, and I just, I just rejoice. And I'm sharing that with you because yesterday was our 34th wedding anniversary. All right. So, we're just laughing at the goodness of God through the years. And by the way, when you see her out there, tell her I mentioned her so that, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> How much she says, you know, all that stuff. Oh, laughing. God, don't you know God wants to bring the laughter? Don't you know it? Don't you know it? He just wants you to be surprised and amazed and, and again just go, oh, you're so good. So write it down. Keep a memorial. Just, you know, put it in your journal, whatever, so that you can be encouraged again.
you note takers, write down um, Galatians chapter 4 in your notes. Galatians chapter 4. Because in that chapter, the Apostle Paul uses this whole story that we've just gone through as an illustration of becoming a Christian. Okay? Becoming a Christian. It's amazing. Used as a big illustration. So, Hagar gets pregnant, and she has a son named Ishmael. Ishmael. And um, Ishmael, God promises him he's going to become a great nation also because he's the son of Abraham. Ishmael becomes the father of the Arab nations. That's Ishmael. Isaac, of course, becomes the father of the Jewish people. All right, the children, he's the children of promise. The Messiah comes through the Jews. The promises are to the Jews, all of that. But Ishmael becomes the father of the Arab nations. Paul says these, these two situations are an illustration of salvation. Hagar is a slave. She's a slave. Her children are slaves. Ishmael came about because of human effort, right? Sarai says to Abram, hey, go on into Hagar and we'll solve this ourselves. So Ishmael is a slave, Hagar is a slave, and they represent human effort. Isaac is a miracle. Isaac is a result of the promise of God. He's not a slave. He's free. He's free. So here's the comparison. Paul says, if you try to earn your way to heaven through keeping the law, keeping the rules, good works, being, you know, trying to be upright, and I'm going to earn my way to heaven. If you approach it that way, which a lot of people do, it's called religion or being religious. I'm going to be good enough myself. Then Paul says, you are a child of Hagar. You are a slave. You're a slave because you're never really good enough. You may feel good in yourself, about yourself, and other people may compliment you. But before a holy God, your righteousness is as filthy rags. Another part of the story, when... Ishmael is 13 years old, and you can read it in the Genesis account, Genesis 16. When Ishmael is 13, Isaac is born, all right? And, and when Isaac is weaned, they have a big party, and Ishmael's there, and Hagar's there, and Isaac's being weaned, and they have a celebration, and Ishmael laughs at and criticizes Isaac, and Sarah sees it, and it all comes back to her. She doesn't like Ishmael. She doesn't like Hagar. So she says to Abraham, get that woman and her son out of here. Get, get them both out of here. They will not share in the inheritance with Isaac. So Abraham puts together some supplies, gives them to Ishmael, 13, Hagar, sends them out. They're cast out. 
Paul says that's a picture. That's a picture. It's an illustration. When you approach God based on your own merit, your own works, your own doing, you're a slave and you'll be cast out. You will not inherit the promise. You'll be lost. That's the picture. But when you come to God based on faith in what He has done, here's the miracle through Jesus Christ. You come to God and say, Lord, I want to receive your blessing that is a free gift. Then you become a son, a daughter of promise. See, God does it all. You're saved not by your works, but by his grace. Isaac is born and he inherits the promise, not because Isaac is any better than Ishmael. It's because of God's blessing and choice. You understand? So when you come, as the gospel says, to God in faith and believe in Jesus, you receive the gift of eternal life, all for God's glory. And you're free in Jesus Christ. You're free in Him. You're free from condemnation. You're free from judgment. You're free from not measuring up. When Paul goes through this ex explanation in Galatians 4, he ends it with Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. You're not a slave. You're free in Jesus Christ. Isn't that good news? It's good news. Are you a son of Hagar or are you a son of Sarah? Are you a slave to doing things, doing it your way and being cast out? Or are you a son or daughter of promise and of miracle? Let's pray together. Dave, I'm speaking to somebody as we're in prayer. God has spoken to your heart. You've been approaching religion. You've been trying to do it. You thought coming to church was one more thing to do in order to make yourself acceptable to God. And I want to tell you that whole thing is misguided, misdirected. You're a, son, you're a slave. If you do that, come to Jesus. Come to his grace right now. Say, you died for me on a cross. I believe you, Lord. I embrace, I receive your gift. Come into my life. Make me new. Make me a new creation. Forgive me and wash me. Lord, I pray for our church that we'll be characterized by believing your promises, waiting patiently for your blessing, and trusting you to do it your way. But we'll receive it and see more and more of it for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.